Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. And it's one of my favorite episodes. Every time we have him on, the triumphant return of Corey Pronman, our prospects expert at The Athletic. Um, if you remember, I know the NHL season has started, but if you remember a week ago, the Americans were triumphant in the World Junior Championship. Uh, the hockey world and universe aligned the way it should be. Um, the, the world's power in hockey, the U.S., um, did what they had to do. And we're here to talk about not just the, the Americans, the great performance by the Americans, but prospects who stood out. Also, Corey released a new U23 list on The Athletic, and we've got some movers in the draft. A lot to get to. Happy New Year, Corey. And yes, I'm still saying Happy New Year. Happy Two New Year, in. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I know that pained you. I know you don't like to say it on whatever date today is. Yeah, especially since we're recording this like like a week before it goes up. Not people don't need to know that, Corey. Um, so I, here I'm going to selfishly talk initially about the um, the win for the Americans through the lens of which I watch it because. Um, as you know, you and I were both in Sweden together watching this almost identical group, or at least a majority of these players, lose uh, the U18s. Uh, you know, as you know, as you knew, Corey, the re- listener maybe doesn't know this. I was flown out there to chronicle the greatest U18 team ever assembled in all of their glory and them winning a gold medal. And I was going to write this great behind-the-scenes story about how it all worked out great for Jack Hughes and Alex Turcotte and Trevor Zegras, and Spencer Knight, and Cole Caulfield. What a, what a lineup. And then, of course, they don't win gold. And I you know, was miserable for a bit. But what did you think of the, the redemption of this group? And how much do you think losing at the U18s maybe on some level helped them? Um, I don't know how much it, it helped, but I think it was, I, I think it was a great exclamation mark for this age group. Uh, for such a highly touted age group for for years, the o, the O ones, um, to my knowledge, and I might get this fact wrong, I haven't double checked it. I don't think any of the O one NTDP kids have won in double IHF gold medal before that happened. Uh, they you know mm-hmm. they didn't win either. They didn't win the U eighteens. Uh, the when Jack Turcotte and Coffee went to the, 18, to the eighteen level the year before, they lost in this gold medal game to Finland also that year. Um. Jack didn't win at the World Juniors um, the year he went, didn't win at the World Championships, and they didn't win the World Juniors uh, last year. They were brought down in the quarterfinals. Uh, so this was really, you know, kind of the big moment for that age group. They had won the 17 Challenge a couple of years ago, but that's not a double IHF event. Um, so it was, it was, you know, kind of fulfilling the promise that a lot of us saw them at the program when they had whatever it was, the five or six top 15 picks in the NHL draft that year. Uh, Jack Hughes wasn't at this tournament, but, but Turcotte and Cole Caulfield, Cam York, Matt Boldy, Spencer Knight, uh, you know, those, those core players were there to, to go with guys like, like a CHL or like Arthur Kaliev and uh, some other really good players that, then then that formed the foundation of this group. And a younger guy like Jake Sanderson, who wasn't part of the O ones, but uh, was, is an elite O yeah. two. 
Um, you know, that, that core came together and, you know, they were, they were, they were, you know, understandably a great team, a team that played against a, a Canadian lineup that was a first round picks up and down the roster and, and skated right with them, if not outskated them for, for significant portions of the game. All right. So I think any discussion has to begin and end with Trevor Zegers in the, in the tournament he had, um, not only numbers wise and performance, you know, I, we, we saw some of the swagger, right? Like we saw some personality with him. I, you know, I was talking, joking with somebody today. They're like, yeah, I hope, I, you know, I hope once he gets to the NHL, he doesn't lose that. What, what were your impressions of Trevor Zegers? Um, and I know you've always been high on him. You've always liked Trevor Zegers, but what, how has it changed or in terms of his projections at the NHL level, if at all? I think when you watched Trevor Zegers when he was a, uh, an under-18 player, uh, you saw the significant skill, but particularly the in, but particularly the you know the really really elite hockey sense he had. I made some of the most imaginative plays I, I've seen from a 17 year old when going into his draft year and and the years after too. And uh, but you never really saw at the junior level or even in that freshman season uh, at B, at BU he never I think had that long stretch where he was like the best player at a given level. He was mm-hmm. not the best player at the U18 Worlds. He wasn't the best player at you know in the in the U, in the USHL when he was down there uh you know at, at last year's World Juniors 17 challenge. He never was that guy. Uh this was really the first time that you saw Trevor Zegers take that elite combination of skill and hockey sense and you know stand out among a, a group of his peers and be the clear best not the clear Dylan Cousins had a really good tournament but like be the best player um and yeah. and, and really carry a team kind of you know to the top of the mountain um and it was such a really impressive performance you know he's not a, he's, I I think he could be a star in the NHL I think you have that much skill and it's like you're talking like a guy with elite 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 caliber skill um the skating isn't you know a strong point for him from the NHL and you know, I wrote in the U23 article that I did, you know, there's, no, sorry, it was the uh, the World Junior Recap article I did. You know, there's a chance he might be Casey Middlestep because of, because of that, for that same reason. But he also could be Elias Pettersson. You know, Elias Pettersson wasn't the best skater, but he had just incredible combination of skill, hockey sense, and, and finishing ability and become a, you know, a superstar in the NHL. And, you know, we'll see. Those are only two options. He's going to be one of those two guys. Well, have I'm we just, given up on Casey Middlestat too? I, I guess we no, have. We, no, no, I haven't. I, I haven't. I think he's a good player, but just you know, being realistic, he's not going to yes. reach that top echelon. Um, but you, 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 I'm just making you know, player yeah. projection is is an uncertain science, and you, there's you know, you take that you know that you look at the player and you think, okay, well, with these attributes, he can go in this direction or that direction, um, and and, and we'll see how he, how his game translates to the NHL. But uh, it's just so much talent that I, I can't see him not becoming a really good player. Will he be like a superstar? Like, I don't know. Like it's possible. I wouldn't make, they say that it's like the most likeliest option, but, uh, but I think he's going to be, you know, I think he, he will, he could be a number one center in the national hockey. Like I think he'll be a really important player for Anaheim. And, uh, and I do think, you know, he will be a very entertaining player to watch just because of the skill and, and hopefully because of the aforementioned personality that you mentioned that you described. So Anaheim gets him at number nine overall in the 2019 draft. Um, have you redrafted this one yet? Are we at, is is are we further enough, far enough along in this draft? Have you done one of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do. We can we can discuss it. I mean, the U23 article right, I did. 
wasn't a quote-unquote redraft, but it had all the relevant players in there in some sort of order. So you can you can go through that exercise if you want to. Let's <laughs> good. I'm glad I'm glad you gave for it. So Jack Hughes, of course, goes number one. Is he still the number one pick in that draft? If we're doing it yeah. right now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Kako two. I, I I think his season, both of them, both him and Hughes did not have great rookie seasons. His was slightly more concerning because the big question with him is how was, was the skating going to translate to the NHL? I still really believe in this player. I still want to see how he's going to do this upcoming season before I say he's not the number two guy. And I think really highly of my number three guy, which would be Kirby Doc. But I think you got to give, I want to see how Kako does this upcoming season. So, all right. So we got the first three right still. Like they're they're kind of locked in. Is it four where you start to see the first change? Uh yeah, that'd be Zegras. So you put you moving him up to four. Yeah. Do you remember? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Do you remember where you had Zegras in your rankings that year? I think it. I think it went one, two, three. I think I had Turcott. I hadn't had Curry Doc way too low. I think I had like Turcott three. I think I had Byram four. I think I had. Cousins five and I, no, I had Caulfield five, Cousins six, Zegers seven that year. Yeah, yeah. So you so know, he's, a, a he's, lot, a, he's jumped a, up. A lot of that, a lot of things change, but yes, <laughs> right. right. So that brings us to the L.A. Kings. So if we're sending Zegers to Colorado, um, mm-hmm. L.A. Kings at five. You're going cider, cider. I like that. No, so, so, sorry, sorry, um, I, sorry. I got got to, got ahead of myself. That'd be Cousins. I'm sorry. I got too okay. excited. So C- C- cider, act- cider actually would go six to Detroit, which would be funny enough in that regard. It's, it slots perfectly. So let's talk about Dylan Cousins because he has this great tournament. I, I do remember there was um, a lot of debate in that range you had with Cousins. It seemed to me it was like Cousins, Zegris, and um, I mean, you know Cousins was kind of the guy that I think a lot of people wanted Detroit to take there. Um, what did you see from him in this tournament, and, and how does he project for Buffalo? I think he's just a guy who has just so many NHL attributes. I don't think he's the flashiest player in any one regard. Like he doesn't have uh, you know, Trevor Zegers' passing ability, or um, he's not like the like, you know the most elite skater in in the world, or he's not you know he doesn't have like a Cole Caulfield or an Arthur Callia level shot. But I just see a guy who's six three, really fast, makes plays, can finish plays, he competes hard, uh, just seems to have all the, and he just produces the high levels wherever he goes and is part of really strong teams. I just see a guy who has all the attributes to be a top of the lineup forward in, in the NHL and all indications are, I, I would say he could step into Buffalo right away right now. I'm not sure if he's going to play a massive, massive role, but I, you know, I think you look at that, that guy and say, you know, that he reminds me a lot of Dylan Larkin at the same age, you know, maybe will mm-hmm. he reach that same level? Hard to say, but like I, I see a really, really strong all around hockey player. Okay, without going through the whole first round, is there somebody that's made a, a jump into this next range for you in this draft? It's a good question, and I probably shouldn't have closed the list down <laughs> when you were talking. <laughs> well, I, you know, because there's still some really interesting names. Like I look at it, you have, um, you know, you, you have Spencer Knight, the goalie, who was was really good for the Americans. I think I actually forgot one. I was looking at I was looking at the top of the list, and I forgot to skip skim all the way down. So there would have been one player before Cider actually. Um, and that All would right. be the Washington oh, pick. We have it's the Washington pick, Connor McMichael. I I really really like Connor McMichael. Uh, the he went twenty fifth to Washington, and I just see a, 
I, he was number one center for Canada, and just I, I just see a guy with just a, such tremendous skill, really smart, has an elite shot. Uh, he works. The skating isn't great, um, but I, I just really like this player. I think you know Washington. I think I had a couple of years where you know the drafting wasn't wasn't great, but they that organization has had a really strong history in the last 10-15 years of getting value later in the draft. They all haven't had lottery picks since the since the yeah. years where they got Ovechkin Backstrom. Um, and I think I'm not sure if Michael's going to be that guy because he's a he's a below average skater, and we'll see how that translates. But I just think he has so much offensive talent, and I really like this player. You can argue between him and Ed Sider. I see arguments either way, um, but uh, and and between Byram and and you know the likes. But uh, I think I think Washington did a really good job getting him where they did. That's great. So so for the sake of this exercise, we're going to plug Connor McMichael into Detroit at six. That puts Moritz Sider to the Buffalo Sabers at seven, and then it gets interesting after that. That's. Um, it's, it's interesting. I saw, you know, a player that I thought was interesting to, to look at on the U S side was defenseman Cam York again, because, um, I know Philadelphia Flyers fans have high hopes for him. He's a player that, you know, I liked watching when we were in Sweden. What did you think of his tournament? I thought he was pretty good. I, I don't know if he was, uh, you know, he was really productive. Um, it was one of their, he was their best, you know, you could argue throughout the, throughout the tournament, he was, he was their best defenseman. Um, I really like Jake Sanderson's gold medal game. I thought he did exactly what they needed him to do in, in that moment. But throughout the tournament, it was it was York who was their best defenseman, um, and he just he's not a really flashy player. I think he has moments where he really shows his skill, um, mm-hmm. but really he's just a really smart puck mover, first first pass, seam passes, um, good skater, not an amazing skater. I, I like this guy. I could see him becoming a second pair defenseman in the NHL, maybe a second power play guy too. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to reach like top of a lineup, but uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to displace like an Ivan Provorov in that lineup. But, and I don't think they really need him to do that. Uh, but but he's definitely a really good player. In your in your um, World Juniors Best Worst file that you did right after, and I would encourage you if you're listening to this and you subscribe to the Athletic, definitely check out this piece. Our 300 comments on it. Everybody had a lot to say about this. Um, it was really well done. It's such a great summation of of what happened at the tournament. You had your votes for biggest surprise and your votes for biggest disappointment. For the sake of this podcast, I want you to pick, and you listed them in no particular order. I want you to pick one in each of those categories. Who was your biggest surprise? Okay, so there was there was two parts of that article. There was a part where I pulled NHL scouts, and then there were my personal choices. Which one did you want? Ah, to, yeah, to this was. Through? I'm looking at the scouts portion, so I want I want you to kind of pull out one of those if you can. Yeah, so this was this was people that got lots of votes for you from the scouts um, in terms of surprise. Yes, yeah, right. I did I did my own, um, and then I had scouts poll. In terms of the one that really popped, you know, the two that I thought really stood out would have been Topi Nimala, the defenseman for Finland, and the recent Toronto third round pick. And John Farinacci, the center for the United States, mm-hmm. who was picked by Arizona. Yeah. Uh, Topi Nimola was named best defenseman of the tournament by the by the directorate. That wouldn't have been my pick, but it was still he still led the tournament in scoring as an eighteen year old after being a third round pick by the Leafs only a couple months ago. Um, you know, really, you know, he tilted the, the ice when he was out there. Really intelligent, you know, mobile two way defenseman. Uh, that I think, given the unique nature of the draft, it was really interesting talking to scouts uh, during. Uh, the tournament wall was going on because typically, you know, the drafts in, Ju- in in June, you have your under-20 camps, you have your NHL development camps, your rookie camps, 
Uh, they, they go back, they play their first half, and there's like other tournaments and stuff, and then they go to the World Juniors. And there's usually you have a lot more data, and a lot of things have happened between the last draft and the World Juniors. And that wasn't the case for this one. You had, yeah. you know, only you know some guys only played like ten games in between when they got drafted and and playing in the tournament. Some some a lot less. And you had guys like Nimala, like Devin Levi, the seventh round pick by the Florida Panthers, who had mm-hmm. statistically the best tournament, one of the arguably the best tournament ever by a goalie at this at at this event. Um picked in the seventh round, you know, one of the very, very last picks just a couple months ago. Um, you know, that was created an incredibly interesting dynamic where you kind of get to see the buy, you know, see how your guys are going to perform at this level almost immediately after you drafted them. Uh, so Nemo right, was definitely right. one. I think I, I th- it is I think an odd. I, I didn't. Really... That didn't even occur to me, Corey. Like the, these guys were just picked in your watch. Like it's we'll never have this again. You know? No, it 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 puts some interesting stressors on people. Hope some for positive, some for negative reasons. Um. So yeah. And the other one would be a Far- John Farinacci, who um had a really good year at Harvard. Uh, last season, but he went to start the year in the USHL because Harvard isn't playing this season, and he didn't really like light it up. There were some concerns, like, "Hey, is this guy going to you know is this is he going to be part of this this, this under twenty team? Is he, is he is he fast enough?" And not only is he was he part of the team, you know, he was arguably one of their best players. Um, you know, just you know scored five goals, some including some pretty big ones, um, and just was a, was a real you know important part of that third line for the championship uh, winning team. Uh, so that would be the ones that stood out to me. In terms of biggest disappointments, these are the fun ones to point out. Yeah. Um, the ones that stir the pot. Um, the, the ones that I think came to mind would be the really, really high picks that didn't really that didn't get it done. Uh, the three, uh, you know, there was like you know, I, I we had, I had numerous scouts give candidates for top ten picks who didn't get it done. But the ones that I think mm. that stood out the most. Uh, were were Askarov, the goalie uh, from Russia, the Nashville pick, uh, Quinton Byfield, the second overall pick by LA, um, yeah. and Marco Rossi, the ninth overall pick by by Minnesota. And like I said, there were other top ten picks: Philip Broberg and uh, Jack Quinn and Alex Holtz all, all got votes from different scouts. But I'm gonna I want, I want to go into the to the other three that I mentioned that got multiple votes and and, and unpack why that was the case. I actually didn't think Askarov had a terrible tournament. Um, in fact, his Bronze medal game was was rather strong, and he was voted as one of the top players on his team by by the coaches. But it was fair to say his uh, his semifinal game in particular was was pretty bad, and it showed a. I, I typically have viewed Askarov as an extremely smart and controlled goaltender, but it just seemed in this tournament, and particularly in the high leverage games, he was very erratic, and it just it and it seemed like his decision making and reads were really off, and he was. Hurting him, hurting himself and his team more than I typically have seen him do in in, in the past, and uh, it just wasn't a it was I've seen, you know he played another international event uh, in November versus men and he was just fantastic, but this was yeah. you know a very average performance by an, by the eleventh overall pick. Uh, the uh, Quinton Byfield had a six point game versus Switzerland for Canada, uh, but overall I can't say you watched him particularly in the important games. And came away thinking, uh, you know, this guy made a real impact in this game. And, you know, there are caveats. You can say he was the youngest player on the team and they, you know, where they're leaning on more older experienced players, which is all perfectly fair. But given his extreme talent level, um, you know, the mm-hmm. 6'4", extremely quick, very skilled um, guy who put up 
huge numbers in the OHL and, and has all the tools to make an impact, even though he was still, he wasn't 17 anymore. He was 18 and you expected him to do, be a little bit more consistent with, with his offensive creation. And I thought he competed really hard. I, I didn't see the offense and the playmaking really come out at a, at a level that you expected a guy with his ability to do that outside of that, that one game versus the Swiss. And the other one that got multiple votes w- w- was Marco Rossi. And this one is a t- difficult one. Um, the, the former ninth overall pick, who was the, the MVP of the OHL last season, uh, had zero points between uh, the round robin and, and and the pre-tournament game with the obvious caveat that his team that he was on was you know very thin in terms of talent. You know, he was the only drafted player. Uh, he had one other player on the team, Santa Peters, who was listed by Central Scouting last season, but it wasn't but wasn't drafted. Uh, but did, um, so it, it was a tough go for him in that regard. I mean, you know, the team there were there were games where they were, they were they had you know five or ten percent puck possession for the course of the game. It's hard to create in that environment. <laughs> but 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 you Is know, that good? I I it's it's not great. Um, but uh, but you know there are. But he just didn't really do anything in the course of the tournament. And I get when you don't have the puck that much, it's hard to do that. But there are there are there are ways, even as one individual on the ice, to create scoring chances for yourself or for others. Maybe maybe it doesn't result in a finished play. Uh, but you know, if Tim Stutzel's on the ice, he's winding the puck up behind the net. Just go can just he can use his speed and, and his skill to create chances by himself. A guy like a facility right. put Coles in can just take the puck go down and just bulldoze his way to the net. Um, a guy like Trevor Zegers can just dangle through everybody and, and find a way to create a chance. There's there's different ways you can you can be an individual and create offense. So you don't want to ding the guy too much, but at the, at the end of the day, it's hard to get past the zero points um, and just the overall not ton of scoring chances created. So uh, those would be the summations and why Minnesota Wild and LA and Nashville fans hated me after I wrote that. Um, well, so. I mean- should if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, how do you feel right now? Because I think you feel better about Boldy, maybe. Um, yeah, I, 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 how, I. How are you walking away from this tournament? Well, I think a lot of the Wild fans disagreed with me my assessment about Rossi, and I, but I do think yeah. uh, I thought Matt Boldy looked excellent in that tournament. I, I, you know, we talked about you know we talk about you know Spencer Knight and his great tournament and Cam York's great tournament. Um, and Trevor Zegers was a monster, but I thought Matt Boldy was, this was some of the best hockey I've seen Matt Boldy play. And I think Matt Boldy's yeah. a really good hockey player. I, th- I thought you saw a guy who showed his elite skill, but I also saw a guy who was really competing night in and night out, which is something I, I didn't always see from him in, in, in the, in past years. Uh, you know, his foot speed is not the best. That's going to be the one area for his NHL projection. That's going to get picked apart a little bit. But I, I think this is a real top prospect. You know, a guy I think is going to be a really important part of Minnesota's team for a long time just because I think there's just so many good things about this player um, other than the foot speed, that, you know, the skill, the hockey sense, the, the plays in the hard areas. You saw him, like, kill penalties, getting, you know, sacrificing his body. I, I really like this player a lot. All right, Corey. So let me – I'm going to take a – let me pull up your U23 list. This dropped today. And um, and it's always fun to see this updated after the World Junior Championship. Um, who who were the biggest? Let's start with the climbers. Like who jumped up this list the most for you? And if you want to give any context to who qualifies for this, feel free to do that for our listeners. Sure. the The list comprises all players in NHL organizations who were under twenty three years of age as of January first of this year. 
So that means guys who were drafted in past years and guys who were just recently drafted, whether they were in the NHL or not. Uh, I, I chose this approach uh, because I want to try and blend players who it's going to incorporate a lot of NHL stars, like upper lineup NHL players, but there's a lot of guys who are on the periphery making the NHL, just made the NHL, um, uh, and and a lot of guys who we think could make the NHL relatively soon, and you know some guys who are a few years away but are still really good prospects. Um, in terms of the biggest risers, uh, I you know this, this was an interesting exercise and. I was talking with my editor before it went up. This was, a, you know, kind of a real, real litmus test on how much a short sample size tournament like the World Juniors, or how much a, even like a small sample of games in the league could really alter perception or, or change a guy's value in, in, in my mind, anyways. And I thought for the most part there wasn't a ton of change, and I thought that was a good thing. You know, I didn't think you didn't yeah, think you want right. to see 150, 50 guys moving wildly in every direction. Um, but there were subtle, there were definitely some subtle changes, and a few guys who had significant movement. Connor McMichael, who we mentioned before, was a guy who yeah. I thought I, I really kept. He's kept moving up for me as the years have gone on, and there's another year where I just kept pushing him way up my list because it just seems like wherever he goes, he's he's a top player at a given level. It's two straight, you know, two straight great OHL seasons where he continues to build on his past season, become a top player in that league. Uh, great World Junior last year, followed by even a you know another really strong World Junior in in this past year, and uh, that's one. Uh, Ville Hanola, the Winnipeg Jets defense pick, was a guy who he made the Jets last year. Uh, then he went back to Finland, and just kind of from watching him over the year, I saw like a five eleven defenseman who wasn't a great skater, um, and and I had questioned how that projection was going to go. But watching him with Finland this year for a top team in Liga. Uh, he's been a really important part of that team. Uh, he was arguably one of the two, two or three best defensemen at the World Juniors, and his his hockey sense is just so good that you can see him going to the NHL level, like he did at the Jets camp last year, and, and being able to play at that level and be a quality player at the NHL level. So that would be one guy as an example who I thought significantly moved. Uh, I wish you would have told me we were going to talk about this before he came on. I could have researched that issue a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, people can look. So if you're looking at the list, I mean, it does have the previous rankings on there. So we could have. I just wanted your impressions in in terms of like a guy that's really surging up up this list. I like the beauty of something like this is obviously it's it creates debate, which is always fun. Like I'm. I looked at it when I read it, Corey, and I was already and obviously we I I like you and I think you're really good at your job and I disagreed with you one pick in. I got to one on the list and I was like, hmm, Corey's wrong. Yeah, that's perfectly fair. <laughs> I mean Pedersen would to me would be the number one player in the NHL um under twenty three to me. But you got okay. can you what what did you factor in when you're picking number one on this list? I think it's the same thing you do when you ever you make a, a a player list or a player evaluation. You are evaluating the toolkits. Um, you are looking at, you know, just how you know you look at the tools, you grade the tools, you incorporate, uh, you know, things like their age, their production, um, you know, you know what levels they they have done that certain production at um, o- over the last couple of years, and you know, for a guy like Pedersen, we've been in the NHL for the last two years. And for the guy that was number one, Rasmus Dallin would be in the NHL for the last two years as an 18 yeah. and 19 year old defenseman. Um, and I just, 
you know, I could I could have gone either way on that one. I, if you want to put Pedersen one, I thought I think it'd be perfectly reasonable. You know, superstar number one center in the NHL, like that, that's a, that's a hell of a piece. Um, I just see, you know, when I look at Rasmus Dalin, I see a guy who's been one of the greatest. You could maybe argue, you know, the maybe even the greatest, you know, teenage defenseman in, in in modern history in the NHL in terms of just how you know dominant offensively he's been for not dominant offensively in terms of the context of the league, but for a guy in that age group, you don't usually see like PP one types. Um, in the NHL as teenage defenseman. Um, you know, that's that's extremely rare. And you add on to the fact, you know, that he's not, you know, built like a like a McCarr Quinn Hughes. This is a six two, six two and a half defenseman who can skate well. Um and you just see that and he has elite, elite skill. Like I remember watching this guy when he's when he's been coming up. I've been watching him for years. You know, he has some of the best pair of hands I've I've ever seen uh for a player, you know, with um uh for a defenseman or for any player really. Um, and I just see a guy who, as he's going to grow into his 20, 21, 22 year old season, I could be wrong. And there's, that's why you might choose Pedersen because he because ha- Pedersen has done that. Dalian hasn't taken that next, next step yet, but I think Dalian has all the tools to just, and has shown, has a long track record of, of significant success that he's going, I think he's going to take that next step and become kind of that mega piece for, for a team to kind of, and hopefully it leads to Buffalo turning. A corner that they've been trying to, but unsuccessfully have uh, done so in the in the last little while. So that to me might be the biggest challenge when you're still projecting here, right? Like you're saying this guy is going to turn the corner. This guy has everything. Whereas, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a more of a simpleton where I'm like, hey, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois. I've already seen how this kid plays in the playoffs. Um, I, I know what I yep. have in Pierre-Luc Dubois, so I want him probably – you know, I, I would be and, – and that that's not to say you're right and I'm wrong or vice versa. I, I think it's um, – but, but what you're saying is it, you're it, right it, and I'm wrong. Not necessarily. No, I, I just think that's what makes <laughs> this list interesting is I, it seems like you're still willing to project um, yep. and take that – take. And it's riskier. It's a riskier call. You're sitting here saying Jack Hughes is going to be better than – you know, three or four NHL players, including Miro Heiskanen, who is an amazing player, like is going to be better. Yep. Um, I like that. I like that you're taking that stand. I just, I wouldn't. I, I think I would do it differently. Yeah, I mean, I incorporate everything. Like, I think there's a certain level of of talent when I do this that yeah, you're willing to say, okay, they're roughly close to this player in pure tools, but this player has this track record. Whether it's a track record. Um, in the NHL or maybe even like in the KHL or in the SHL or something like that. And you'd be like, okay, well, they've shown they can do it versus men at a high level. And right. they're roughly equal-ish to this player in talent. So you got to take the guy with the track record. Um, but I think there's a, there is a point when you do this exercise that the talent level starts to really you know, separate. separate and, you, and that's where the projection comes into play. We look like a guy with Jack Hughes, who is not the biggest guy, but is an elite, elite skater with a really high level of skill, uh, and he has a high compete level too. And you think like, okay, it didn't work last year, but historically, guys with that combination of skating and skill tend to become you know, NHL stars and significant, high scoring, you know, driving players in the league. Uh, and and I'm still. I haven't, you know, if he has another iffy year, it starts to become building evidence and you 
might have to recalibrate. But I didn't see enough in that one year to take the, you know, to completely back off of Jack Hughes, even if I did downgrade him uh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many interesting things in here. Uh, I look at, I get into the 40s, and you have Askarov ahead of Carter Hart, who, again, we, we've seen one in a World Junior, didn't have the best tournament, but you don't want to overreact. Carter Hart, I just had, um, I've just finished up doing the goalie tiers I do every year, so I just talked to a bunch of people around the league about Carter Hart, and who, you know, it's already out, so you know people will see where he ended up slotting there, but they see him as, um, a guy who's now like a top, second tier goalie in the NHL right now, trending towards a one. Um, in in you know it's just yeah, I, and I find and, that and, awesome. and that's and that and that's roughly where I project Askarov to be. Like I don't know if yeah, pro- yeah. I think it'd be really really hard to project a guy as like a tier one goalie. That's like I mean he needed to be perfect in almost every regard for me to do that. But I think Askarov is a guy who you know he had the bad World Juniors, but he had like a he's had like a nine sixty save percentage in the KHL this season or something like that. He played an international tournament an international tournament versus men in November. And he was, you know, I think he led in like one, one or two goals the entire time. Uh, it, it's, you have to balance all the information. Obviously, ask all, we have years of information and you scout, he's an elite athlete. Uh, you know, it's all, like I said, it's all a balance of things. If, you know, if it, you can tweak these things a little bit, if, you know, if, if there was a, if maybe if, if I downgrade his athleticism a little bit, then you would kind of do the balance. Be like, oh, well, you have this performance, you know, for, for him, but it's not the athleticism is an elite, elite, elite. And you have this guy like Carter Hart who has, you know, a pretty good toolkit and all this incredible, you know, incredible hockey sense and this great performance in the NHL. And those are kind of all the things I kind of balance in this process. It's there's it's by no means scientific because there's no way I can prove my process. <laughs> this is an impossible exercise. This is impossible. Just, just doing this in general, I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it. so this is the first you know, season that we're, that we're going to try and do this to blend the NHL and the prospects. And we thought, I thought it was an important thing to do because I found, and it's still this way, but I found, you know, there's no perfect way to define a young player or a prospect or whatever, whatever you want to call them. Uh, somebody's yeah. going to get screwed either way, you know, by using the under 23, we cut up, we cut off Kirill Kaprizov, who is, you know, as you may have heard, is considered, is considered an interesting prospect that Michael Russo gets asked about every two days. <laughs> I wish Russo would write about him at some point. Yes, but no, that that'd be nice. For business. Uh yes. So, so that that cuts him out. But I did. We I felt from doing the the prospect rankings that left out NHLers that we were really avoiding a lot of very interesting conversations. Like, where does Jesperi Kokaniemi fit into this into the player mm. pool? Where does Barrett Hayden? into the player pool where does Jesse Pugliarvi or Casey Middlestad you know you know or even a guy like Jordan Cairo who would like fit the NHL criteria but is you know but you know for all intents and purposes is still a prospect uh, a guy who's right. still developing you know there was a lot of those examples who we found were on the periphery but are really you know top, still considered top young talents that merited discussion uh, and and that was the why we decided to go uh, through this exercise that is causing me a lot of headaches. Do you regret doing it? No, I think it was the right thing to do. And I think my feedback that I've gotten from NHL sources uh, has been mostly positive, not always positive, you know, that people don't like where some, some certain guys are ranked, but I think the right. actual concept was positive. I think over the years that I've been doing this, a lot of people would get maybe not annoyed, but 
you get a lot of comments about like, okay, well, you know, you're ranking whatever this org ranking here or this guy here or something like that. But you know, it's just because my God, we had our 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 you know our top nineteen or twenty year old prospect graduated because he played whatever many right. games and it drops him out. And, yeah, that's always and like, like you know right. you, you know if you you know if you take um you know the uh, the Colorado system for example, right. and you know Kale McCarr's twenty. Um, you know, if you take Kale McCarr out of any kind of ranking that you would do, whether it be a farm ranking, whatever, a talent ranking, a U23 ranking, um, you know, it, that dramatically changes how Colorado looks. Colorado has some other right. really good young sure. players, but but and eventually you have to remove him. Like you can't just keep him in forever. Otherwise, you're just doing total organizational rankings, which would just be a massive headache. And, you know, just I only have so much time in the day. Um, but. Uh, but I definitely felt like at the youngest levels, the 20, 21, et cetera, I, I thought it made sense to keep those players in, in the picture, uh, even if once they made the jump to the NHL. Because some of those guys, like McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Heiskanen, make the jump. They're studs right away. Great players. But yeah. most of them don't do that. Most of them have bumps and are worth right. continuing to monitor. Some of them will come back, go, go back to the American League, or they get scratched, or they get put on the fourth line and you want to continue to to watch and evaluate them. And I think guys like Hughes and Kako are great examples of that. Uh, Jack Hughes, not Quinn. In that, you know, I think it was worth giving you know more recent opinions on them, and then continuing to watch how they do this upcoming season, and then update those opinions again. And maybe they take that jump, maybe they don't. But I think it's worth continuing to discuss them as opposed to saying, "Oh, they're NHLers now. You know, I, I yeah, shouldn't we're, be we're watching these kids anymore." Did you um, track anywhere which teams showed up the most as a table or I think, is it, like I would uh, as a de facto organizational rankings? I I, do, I I didn't track that specifically. I would guess Ottawa and LA would jump out to me yeah. as the two. Yeah. If I had to make like a guess off the top of my head, uh, those two I thought were probably extremely well rep- represented. Uh, the, Are the we Rangers worried about Turcott? I, he was pretty low on this list. Um, I, I mean, worried about him, but like, I, I feel like I think I should like him more and, than he okay, shows up. Well, I well, I mean, depends who you ask. I'm sure some Kings fans think I'm insane or don't know what I'm talking about. So, you know, maybe you know, every, you know, everyone might have their own opinion. I would say, from most NHL scouts I talk to, they think he's a second line center, which is a really good player. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being a second line center. No, I think he's. I think he had a really nice tournament there, and I thought he showed. You know, he's a. You know, I thought he's. You know, he showed his competitiveness. He skates well. He's got a nice. He's got a high level of skill. Um, I just don't know if like if the skills like elite enough for a five eleven ish guy, and I don't know if he like the skating's I like elite elite enough either. Um, you know, but uh, I think he's a he's a really good player. But I think that draft is counterbalanced by the fact that in that same draft they got uh, Samuel Fajimo, who I'm really high on, and Arthur Kaliev, who I'm even higher on. But both, yeah. all three of them, I think, are great players. But I thought, you know, maybe Turcotte doesn't go five in the read-up. I, I, I would be hard pressed right now to find many scouts who would take him in that range in a re, in, a, in a redraft. But I think a lot would be really, really excited to get Arthur Callie and Samuel Fashionbo where the Kings got him. Um, right. So you know, dra- drafting drafting's a little difficult, um, and maybe the Kings disagree with, with with things I just said there. But I think it, you know, you, you take the best shots you can. But I think in general, you look at the Kings system, you still have to be very optimistic. I think, you know, even though, and I think, you know, I did my best not to try and overreact too much to the, to the world juniors, 
Some might disagree with that assessment. I've heard that uh, feelings a couple times in the in, in recently. Um, that you overreacted I, I to, to Byfield. Yeah, and I don't think I really did. I mean, I thought I still thought he was like ranked pretty prominently. I still think the projection is rather high. Yes, I tweaked it a little bit due to some concerns that I thought were raised uh, reasonably from the tournament. But I still think this is a star, potential star in the National Hockey League. I think he has all the attributes. Um, you know, I think he t- he ticks every box, and I think he's going to be a really really good pro for a long time. All right, I don't want to spend too much time on this, Corey. I don't think because. I feel like it's, you know, we don't even know when the draft is, what it's going to look like. Um, and it's so much can change. But was there anybody that you think really improved their stock that, you know, undrafted at the World Junior that, that in this year's draft class? Well, we do know when the draft is going to be. It's, it's scheduled for July. I think the question going forward is going to be whether there will be any pressure to move that date. Um, in terms of undrafted, you mean like guys who were previously undrafted or guys who were just or first year eligible? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about this year's draft class. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of guys like, you know, you know I thought like the Russian defenseman Kirill Kursanov had a really good tournament. But in terms of like real, this was a really um, underwhelming World Junior tournament if you were looking to get a glimpse at next year's draft class because a lot of the top yeah. guys weren't there. Uh, William Eklund had a positive COVID test. Before he uh, was it was allowed to go, so he couldn't he wasn't eligible to, to participate. Uh, Owen Power wasn't released to Team Canada. Uh, Ken Johnson wasn't invited to Team Canada. Uh, Luke Hughes, uh, a very young seventeen year old defenseman, he wouldn't have been eligible. You know he wasn't realistically in the mix for this tournament. Uh, Brand Clark wasn't for Team Canada. Chaz Lucius has been injured for a very long time. Uh, Dylan Genther wasn't on Team Canada. I just there was just a lot of the top top names that just weren't that weren't there. Um, but the one guy who was there, who had a really positive impact, was Matthew Beniers. Uh He didn't play on the power play for the United States, but he was their second line center. Um, yeah. And he did a lot of really good things for that for that team. I thought you know the the thing about Matthew Beniers is he is not a really flashy player. I don't think he'll will rank near the top of the draft in terms of his speed or his skill. Although I think both elements are good. And NHL quality, but uh, his his hockey sense and in particular his his, his competitiveness uh, are both really really attractive elements. The latter specifically, uh, you know his 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 work levels just off the charts. Just wins so many battles, uh, plays in the hard areas as as, as well as you you would want a, a pro to. Um, just you know a kind of a, a coach's dream kind of player who just you know earned a really big responsibility on a on a the team that won it all. Uh, and I, this is a guy who, when I talk to NHL scouts, I'm more and more hearing from people. I think he went into the tournament with a strong chance to be a top five pick in this year's draft. Um, leaving the tournament, I, I would be very, I would be not very surprised because this is a wide open draft, a very wide open yeah, draft yeah. actually. Um, but I think he's got a really strong chance to be a top five pick now. Might even, you know, could be even top three, maybe may even be one or two. Like he's he's in wow. that kind of discussion. But and and that being said, there's a lot of guys in that discussion right now because of the the chaos of the year and just the draft. The age group wasn't the old three age group isn't actually that really strong. So there isn't like that, that foundational, you know, Rasmus Dahlin, Lafreniere, Shane Wright type of guy at the top of this year's draft. So, um, uh, but uh, in general, though, I would say he he's impressed a lot of scouts I've talked to, and and he's definitely in consideration to be among the very, very first few picks in next year's draft. All right. 
let's get to the questions here. We've got we got a lineup of them, and as always, you have full uh, freedom to pass because I know I'm putting you on the spot with zero preparation, and we can go any direction. Um, let me start with this question from Jonas Larson, who says, "Could it be a positive that many European prospects will stay the full year in their home leagues?" Um, I guess it depends on on the age. Um, yeah. just and the know, league, as, right? As like right, right. As as we record today, question. you know, yeah. As as we record today, Sweden's junior season was just canceled, so yeah. that's not great for them. But if you play <laughs> pro. <laughs> Uh, their season will continue. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think everyone has their own opinions on how player development works. I, I tend yeah. to maybe be very idealistic in this, and I think there's a lot of really good leagues around the world, and and hockey isn't that, you know, I think hockey, even though you, between the small rinks and the bigger rinks, at the end of the day, it's still hockey. You know, at the end of the day, you're still evaluating attributes. You know, you're evaluating speed, you know, skill, you know, intelligence, competitiveness. Uh, and whether, you know, you show those attributes in the SHL or in the AHL or in the OHL, uh, eventually you can still got evaluate the attributes and see whether it's going to translate to the National Hockey League. Um, so I never, I don't have, I never have really strong opinions on whether a guy should be in the OHL or college or in Europe or in the American League. You don't like to see a guy on the extremes. You don't want to see a guy, you know, score three points a game in the league. You don't want to see a guy get 13th forward the entire season, but as long as they're in a reasonably competitive environment and an op- and a place where they can learn, I don't really t- typically care where a player plays. So uh, that would kind of be my, my broad answer to that question. Okay. Next question. It wouldn't be a mailbag segment without a question about Mo Sider. This is from Parson Sam. It says, how much hope should Wings have for Mo Sider's development? Have the Red Wings answered their long-term top D issue? I think he has a really strong chance to be a top pair defenseman in the National Hockey League. I don't know, like, and what I think has been reassuring about him this season, when you watch him with Rogel, is that I thought the the the, the hockey sense um, and the overall you know first pass puck moving ability has looked a lot stronger than when I've watched him previously in Germany or the World Juniors or even the American League last season, um, and that was and that's contributed to him slowly rising up up my list. Um, I don't know if the offense is ever really going to be that that significant. Although, um, as we're recording this yesterday, he had a four point day in the SHL. Um, but I, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a you know a a PP one type in the NHL. Uh, I don't know if that's that, that he has that kind of skill. Uh, but I can see him you know still being a that that big mobile physical you know good NHL first pass type of player who you know that's the kind of guy who you can foresee playing 22, 23, 24 minutes a night regularly for a, for a quality team. Uh, you know, you, you know, the, the thing with, you know, with rebuilding an NHL team is, you know, most Sider is going to be great. Lucas Raymond's going to be great. You know, I think Philip Zadina is going to be, is a, is, a, is a really good player, but you know, you don't, you need, you know, those three and like 10 other of those guys to become <laughs> a top team. Give about eight, eight <laughs> so, to 10 more of those guys. That's right. So, yeah. so you know, I think I think Sider and Hironic are, are great young defensemen to have, but you know, you need 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 more. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, I think that's it's a, getting a guy like that and getting a guy like Raven are, are are major steps in the right direction. But there are still a lot more steps left to take. This one comes from Lucas Colucci. How would you rate Jasper Wallstedt compared to Askarov and Knight? Why didn't he start in the quarterfinals of the WJC, Corey? Sure. 
Um, so any opinions? Wall Street's putting putting up you know really large numbers right now in in Sweden and the SHL. I think he had like a shut right before we recorded this. He had a he had a shutout the other day. Uh, I think it's like a nine thirty save percent or something like that. It's a, it's something ridiculous for a, for a draft eligible goalie in that league. Uh, the difference between him and a guy like Askarov for me is I always thought Askarov was a really intelligent goalie, but I also thought he was a tremendous athlete. Like, you know, he has elite quickness and can make some really high difficulty saves with, with consistency. Um, and, and Knight has that too. He's a little bit more like robotic in how he makes those high athleticism saves. Um, doesn't always look like, you know, he's he's trying too much, but he has that in him. I've never, I've always been kind of 50 50 of Wallstep, that kind of player. I don't know if like the athletic yeah. traits have always. We're like you know off the charts, whether it's the size or the or the quickness, but he has tremendous hockey sense. Like his reads and his his positioning are are are, are real top echelon, and so that's been the debate when we talk to NHL scouts about him. Is you know well is that does the does the lack of like truly like elite quickness translate to the NHL into being a true top end uh, goaltending prospect? And just because of of a track record, I think he's going to he he could be that. He didn't start in the World Juniors, even though, uh, you know, because Hugo Anafeld was really, really good at the World Juniors last year, and he was the top goalie at the U18 Worlds two years before that, and he's, you know, a long track record, a year older. Uh, I had no issue with that with that decision from the third-round pick by Tampa Bay. Um, but I still think Wallstead has shown enough over a long period of time that he's going to be a first-round pick. As the third straight year, we're going to have a first-round pick goaltender. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. where he'll be, whether it'll be like bottom half or top half of the first round. I would say... Reasonably, he probably goes in the teens right now, um, but he's he's a really good goalie prospect. If you're the Florida Panthers and you have Sergei Bobrovsky, who is not going anywhere, don't you trade mm-hmm. Spencer Knight at some point? Especially now that you well, kind of hit the lottery ticket with your your other goalie. Right. Well, the other goalie has yet to play a college game yet, so I I, I thought the tournament was extremely promising, and I really really like this player, but I I would you know probably wouldn't equate him to Spencer Knight just quite yet. Um, right. or, you know, I don't, I don't know if Spencer Knight may, you know, having him make Spencer Knight, um, you know, expendable, but I think it's going to be a problem. Uh, I, I do think one thing that you're seeing, at least in the NHL is, you know, the salary they're paying Bobrovsky could might play a factor into this and might not. I think you're starting to see a trend of, we need to have two goalies. Um, yeah. so, so I don't, I think the days are slowly coming behind us where you're going to see a guy get 65 starts in a season. Um, Maybe you get a guy like Spencer in, and then he plays forty, and Bobrovsky plays forty, or something along those lines. Or, um, you know, uh, I don't know exactly what the, what the path forward there is going to be. Uh, but you know, Spencer looked really damn good at that tournament. He's looked really good at BC in the few games he's played so far. He looks like a guy who's going probably going to turn pro at the end of the season, or look, at least looks ready to turn pro. So this dilemma is definitely going to. Uh, going to become more pre- uh, prevalent uh, in the coming months. This question comes from Charger J. Should Rangers fans be excited about Brett Berard after his play at the World Juniors? Yes, I think when you get a guy in the fourth or fifth round who looks like he played the bottom of an NHL lineup uh, a couple of months later, that's a, that's, a, that's an exciting thing. I don't know if you look at Brett Berard and see like top six level skill, but I think you see a guy who has enough skill. He, he's fast. He competes at a really high level. Um, I like this player. I think he's got a good chance to be, you know, maybe a fourth line for the NHL. And given that you just used a fifth round pick on him a couple months ago, I think that's something to be uh, happy about. This is from Chris McElwain. 2022 top three. How good are they? 
I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I understand you don't know what he's trying two to years get. out or no, one year out. No, no, no well, I, I, I get, I get what he's trying to say. He's, he's hinting at Shane Wright or uh, um, Matthew Savoie and and Brad Lambert as the guys. He's probably yeah. He mentioned them later in the tweet. Yeah. yeah, but but um, I, I don't know. Like, so usually by this time of the year. In a normal season, I would have gone to the U17 challenge and gotten a good idea of what the next age group looks like. I would have seen any of the late birth dates or like the high-end European uh, underages at the Holinka Greski or the U18 World Championships the prior April. Uh, you would have saw some of these guys play at the junior level and get an idea of like, okay, this is how this next age group is kind of forming. Um, it's why for this upcoming draft class, the 21 draft class, we don't have a lot of information on all these guys, but we have some information. We have some indication of who the next best players are. Other than those kind of guys he just mentioned, we have really little information on the next, on the 2022 age draft class. So those three yeah. could be the top three, but I don't know. I have no idea what the next age group looks like. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and, you know, this next draft class is going to be the one that I'm going to need to take a lot of time on before I probably put out any kind of formal ranking on because it's, we just don't really have enough context on a lot of, on a lot of these guys. There could be like some great you know kid in the OHL who would have popped off this year, you know. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he looks like a top end guy. And I have, but we have we just don't have that don't have that data. This one comes from Days three two three two. Says, what is a take you had from a couple years ago about a prospect that nobody agreed with, but looks like a great take right now. And there's uh, a part two to this, which we'll get, which I like better. Okay, so a couple of years ago? Yeah, so who uh, was somebody you, uh, nobody seemed to agree with you, but now you can look back and say, hey, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. Okay, so that, that'd be interesting. So I guess there's like, I could go like really into the weeds on that. Like, I can like talk about like, there was like some, there was like a Russian that Columbus took in like the fourth round two years ago, of uh, Voronkov, who I was yeah. like, he was like a second year eligible. I was banging the drum for him. I think I had like top 40 on my list, something like that, that draft, that draft year or something like that. I was like texting a bunch of NHL scouts. You got to look at this guy. You got to look at this guy. And then, uh, he went to like the fourth round that year. He was one of the best players at Russia, the world juniors, like a couple of months later. And like, and then like Kikolainen is talking at the trade deadline that he's like a guy that not, they can't, they're never going to trade or something along those mm. lines. I thought that was, I thought that was just like a kind of funny moment for me where I was like, yeah, like, I get a ton of shit wrong, but like at least like this guy looks like he's progressing well. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, that's a good one. Uh, I'm trying. To, I'm looking through the list here of of guys that uh, I, I mean. Again, I give you one of the ones that I, come to mind for me, Corey, was you were unwavering on Quinn Hughes as an NHL prospect. Unwavering. Yeah, but like, what you always like, have, was, and I know a lot of people did, but like, yeah, I feel like I feel like, I, 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 right I feel like you can't feel, I feel like you can't claim that one though. Like I, you seventh I'm overall, I'm trying to give you credit. I know, I know, I'm, I I know. I'm not, I, but yeah, I mean, like, you, you could I, have, uh, I, I think there's teams that passed on them that should have listened to you. I mean, there was the, probably the ones, I probably am not, there probably aren't a lot of guys who you're high on where you're like, uh, like I, like I'm super high on this guy that nobody's ever heard about, but there's probably more examples of guys who you're lower on, who you're like, I'm uh, not sure if that one's going to, I'm not, love this I'm guy. not sure. I'm not sure that one's gonna work. And do you like, have I've one, or you not want to? You don't want to like run anybody down. Like, uh, yeah, I think, it's kind, like, I think it's kind. Of, uh, I think it's kind of thing is kind of mean. And people go through my last list, and they could probably piece that together. <laughs> but I think one one thing that I heard from my from a from a, from a scout that that was a great line is like, 
you know, and that's, and I think that applies to that same logic that I just said, is he said, you know, you can say about a player they're going to miss, and you're probably going to be right. But yeah, about, uh, about any player. It's a lot easier to call the guy, it's a lot easier to call the guy who's not going to pan out than it is to call the guy who went way too low. You're like, that guy's going to be a rock star. You know, I mean, right. you know, I could just say, I could say I had brain point in my first round. Like, that's not, or I had Kucherov, like, you know, whatever, it's like top 15 on my list, but I had a bunch of errors in there too. So, like, there's, right. I, I, that's why I hate that. I hate the exercise. I hate saying that you're right because you make so many other errors that I don't know how much it validates yourself by, by, by doing that. Um, you're talking I think about you me? learn more. No, no but I'm just like, and, and, okay. yeah, I just like, you know, I just don't know how much you like. Like I think I understand why they asked that because it's, it's it's a good question and I think it, you know it it you're trying to find out why was he right why was he wrong you're you're trying to learn learn a little bit more that way but all right part well let's I, I try, get to part try, two because we're down I, to our like I, I, last five I, minutes okay I, what, I, I that's why I, usually, who, I try to do yeah sorry go on no no I don't mean you're always very transparent Corey in your analysis which is I think why people trust you. Um, What's one that you got horribly wrong? Do you have what's your career miss? Do you have one? This uh, is also from days thirty two, thirty two. This is part two. Oh, I mean, oh, I mean, there's like, there's like a thousand, of them. <laughs> like you know, like like I don't know, like that's what I was actually going to be leading into is like you know yeah. every year, and this one's coming up in a couple of weeks. I do a what I got wrong column, and it's it's always it's always rather bulky, <laughs> and there's new content. <laughs> right, right. There's new there's new content every year. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I always put out the, suge- I always put out like a suggestion tweet on Twitter. Like anybody have any, any suggestions? And I usually, usually get way too many responses. Like, uh, right. there's never, there's never, there's never enough. I, and that's why I would say there's more wrong ones than there is the right ones. The ones where you're like, you know, I could always look, that's a, you know, it'd be an interesting article to write. Um, I try, I don't know how you could write that without coming off like, you know, kind of a dick. Uh, just, <laughs> just someone who's just bragging too much. Um, I think you should do that. Yeah, when I got right. I just I I hate I, I hate that concept. I don't think I mean, it's like <laughs> <laughs> I just I just hate it. Like it just seems like I don't know, like what like how can I? It makes me sound like I know what I'm talking about. I'm I just you don't. should never do that. That would be terrible. All yeah. right, yeah, two yeah. more, two more. Um, uh-huh. This person says uh, this is Martin uh, Devon who wonders you you mentioned. Um, Rasmus Kupari's speed is average, but last year you said he had high end speed and skill. Did his injury slow him down? We're in um, the weeds here, but that's yeah, that's fine. I think it is. I would say um, I would say the skating looks. I definitely downgraded the skating by a notch um, yeah. over the last twelve months. Um, but also, I changed the scale a little bit. So okay. when I when I used to use the twenty eighty baseball scale uh, from for when I when I rated players. Um, but now I'm using more descriptive terms. So when I say NHL average, um, that's a that's a praiseworthy term. That means he's a good skater. Guys who are not at least average skaters would it would be a concern. Um, but I think Kapari is a good skater. Um, so that's just I, I decided to change the scale in that way to be more clear and to avoid like this scale that if you haven't been reading me for a while or you don't check like the index you don't understand what it means or something like that uh i i just wanted to use be more be more clear and uh but i do think being an average skater being average skill on the way i've been i use it in the u23 column is a praiseworthy thing okay um last one this comes from jonathan andrew paul 
asks, which O3s do you see on the World Junior Championship Team USA, and who do you see in net? Never look ahead. Drew uh, 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 Mess will probably be the goalie. Will be the goalie next okay. year. Uh, the Chicago, Chicago second round pick. I would see. I would. I would be very surprised, barring injury, if he wasn't the goalie because the O3 USA uh, goaltending crop is not all that strong. Um, okay. In terms of the O3 American, he said like just. All, he said yeah, all the, yeah who's going to make the team out from the O threes? Okay, because the yeah, there, there's some pretty, there's, there's, there's some pretty good Lado, there's some pretty good Lado twos. Uh, I would guess Luke Hughes is there. I would yeah. guess Dylan Duke is there. Um, Sean Barons could be there. Um, I would say there's a decent chance Sasha Pass Sasha Sasha Pass the job would be in the mix. Um. Uh, there's a bunch of guys in the USHL, like you know, maybe maybe a Jack Pert get, mixes gets in the mix. Maybe he doesn't. Um, maybe a Shy Buim does or doesn't. Uh, you know, guys will need to see how their next year or so of development goes. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind off, off the top of my head, though. For for people uh, like me who don't know who any of those guys are, is it is next year's American team ha- have a decent chance at repeating? Like, is it a good group, average group? Do you, do you want the truth or the lie? Mm, I'll take the truth. <laughs> um, the O2 age group is is just okay. Like the old ones okay. were, cl- were the old ones were you know, a, a massive you know deal for 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 USA hockey. Yeah, that that was you a know, special had, had, group. You, like, there's no doubt about it, right? Like we've known that. Yeah, for a while. like yeah, you know, you look at the 2020 draft. You know, you had Jake Sanderson who went five. And then the next NTDP player went at 38. Uh, you know, you're just you're just not dealing with the same caliber. And the NTDP doesn't mean all of USA hockey in terms of the age group, but you're just yeah. you're just not dealing with the same caliber there. I think you know there's still USA; they'll have a decent chance, but you just don't. You're not going to have the same high end talent up and down the lineup. They're going to you know it's it's just going to be a reality of what they're going to be dealing with. Awesome. Well, Corey, thanks for doing this. It's always fun to catch up. Um, Great work on everything from the World Junior. Anything you want to plug here as we exit? I feel like we do, feel like we covered all the major things I've done so far, and we'll be working on. Uh, all right. I hope now be, I hope to be able to put together a competent draft guide in the in the, in the coming months, and have a and uh, and uh, f- find a way to do that under interesting circumstances. Same. All right. Thanks, Corey. Yep. Sure thing. I want to thank Corey Priman for joining the pod. It is always fun to catch up with Corey. Always an a, a enlightening, insightful conversation. I, I look forward to it every single time. So thank you, Corey. Thank you for your, all your hard work in covering the prospects and producing stuff for The Athletic that is uh, you honestly can't find it elsewhere. Um, speaking of which, our new podcast, The Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Mendez and Haley Salvian had their successful debut on Monday. And Ian Mendez returns with another edition on Thursday with Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe. NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly was uh, on the two-man advantage edition of the Athletic Hockey Show with Scott Birdside and Pierre Lebrun. Even broke a little news with Bill sharing that he had COVID um, and has recovered. Um, just, it, it's, it's an incredible podcast. It, I love that we've gotten some more people involved Ian, what an addition to the staff at The Athletic. 
beyond his um, coverage of the Ottawa Senators, what he's doing now with our podcast group is is amazing. So go to Apple Pods, subscribe to the Athletic Hockey Show. It is awesome. And, of course, we still have Mike Russo. Uh, I'm straight from the source. Listen to his conversation with Bruce Boudreaux, who really, for being honest, should have his own podcast with us as well. Uh, Bruce is the best talker there is, and him and Mike together is always fun. And so definitely check out that episode of Straight from the Source. Lastly, if you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash full60, and you get a subscription for just $3.99 per month. And I can tell you today alone, we publish about 6 million stories. I wrote a 10,000-word story with Dom this week that people are still arguing about. It's There's so much there. And if you're not subscribing, I would encourage you to do so. Theathletic.com slash full60. It's $3.99 a month. All right, that's it. Thank you, Corey, for joining the podcast. Always fun. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.